Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Hey friends, and welcome to the Happy Hour with Jamie Ivey podcast. I'm your host, Jamie, and I'm so glad you're here. Each week on this show, I invite a friend to join me and we chat about the big things in life, the little things in life, and everything in between. Hey friends, happy Friday. Today's episode number 333 on this October 23rd. We have a great episode today, but first I want to say happy birthday to my mom. Today's my mom's birthday. She listens to my show every week and she is a phenomenal mom and Nana. Also, today is 11 years since my daughter Story arrived home from Haiti and joined our family forever. I cannot believe it's been 11 years. It feels like she's been here forever. Today on the show, my guest is Ian Morgencron. If you've been around for any amount of time on the happy hour, you've heard me talk about the Enneagram. And I'm certain that you've heard of Ian and his work with the Enneagram. He and our friend of the show, Suzanne Stabil, you've heard me talk about her before, they released a book called The Road Back to You. In fact, it's one of my favorite books to recommend to people to start with if you're interested in hearing about the Enneagram. I have since gotten to know Ian through his podcast, Typology, and actually, I was a guest on his show in September of this year, just recently. So if you resonate with an Enneagram 6 like I am, you might want to go back and listen to that show. Also, the co-author of that book, Suzanne Stabile, who I told you about that. She was on my show on episode number 205, if you want to go back into the archives. Today on our conversation, Ian and I talk about the importance of empathy and compassion in our interactions with others and how the Enneagram can be helpful as we interact with one another. That is so important right now in our day and age. Ian encourages us to be people who are not reactive, but responsive and practice the sacred pause. Yes, this is what we need. He also tells us about an upcoming project that he has that I think you're going to be interested in. Friends, I'm so excited that so many of you have joined our Read With Me community. This is so fun. We're going to start our first book on Monday, October 26th, which means there's still time for you to join. You can still order the book. I told you we're going to go through my newest book, You Be You, which launched earlier this month, and we're going to read it together. My hope in this is that you will read it with one person at least. Call your girlfriend and say, hey, let's read this book together. What that means is you're going to read and you're going to talk about it. We have discussion questions for you. Or if you host a book club, grab your girls and let's all read this together. If you want more information and to be invited to our big virtual celebration at the end of our four weeks where we're going to discuss the book together, text READ WITH ME all one word, no spaces, to 33777. That's read with me to 33777. And you're going to be added to our read with me community. And then at the end of our four weeks long of reading together, we're going to have a virtual hangout where you and me and all of our friends in this community get to talk about this book together. All right, friends, here is my conversation with my guest, Ian Morgan Cron. Ian, welcome to the happy hour. Well, thank you so much. It's, I'm happy to be anywhere that's called a happy hour. <laughs> right? A lot of people ask me when I first started this podcast years ago, why'd you name it the happy hour? And I'm like, well, who doesn't want to go to a happy hour? 
Exactly. <laughs> I'm like, is there anything else you'd rather do around, you know, five o'clock in the afternoon than meet some friends up at a happy hour? No. So that's what we're doing here. We're having a happy hour. Fantastic. Well, I told you before we started, I felt like we just did this because you were gracious and had me on your podcast recently. And so some of my listeners listened to that. And I'm telling you, you know, because I was over there about being an Enneagram six. I don't know if this happens with all the other numbers, but I feel like when an Enneagram six, here's another Enneagram six, it's like the light bulbs go off and they go, oh my gosh, I'm not crazy. Does this happen with any other numbers, Ian? Yes. Oh um, man, I thought we were special. But, I thought the well, sixes were special. You know, it happens with fours, though they're a little disappointed that others are as neurotic as they are. <laughs> but it does happen a lot with sixes, in particular because they're just surprised to find out, oh my gosh, someone is as anxious and worried as I am about the state of life. And you think it, we're it, alone. Yeah, right. It's a it's a measure of consol- unexpected consolation. Well, it's always fun. I love it when people's light bulbs go off. So we just jumped into Enneagram, but introduce yourself for anybody that is not sure who we're speaking to today. Introduce yourself. Yeah, so I am Ian Cron. I am an author, most recently of the book, The Road Back to You, an Enneagram Journey to Self-Discovery. I'm married to a beautiful woman named Anne for the last 31 years, three grown children, two golden doodles, Pip and Percy. We live in Nashville, Tennessee. And in addition to my work as an author, I'm a corporate consultant, a speaker. I'm a songwriter. Look at you. I'm an Episcopal priest and a psychotherapist. So I have a very lovely portfolio life. You really do have a lovely portfolio. I don't know. There's no way that you would know this, but I also have a golden doodle. And we have a golden doodle and a labradoodle. And they don't know because they don't understand. But the golden doodle is hands down our favorite of the two. I mean, it's just the best dog we've ever had in our entire lives. They are the coolest dogs ever. And I've never met one with a nasty temperament. That's so true. I love golden doodles. Okay, so let's talk about Enneagram. Enneagram is not new to my listeners. And so that's a good place for you to know a starting point. We talked about a lot. I've had, you're probably the third Enneagram. I use the word guru in a very nice way, like knowledgeable about the Enneagram, more knowledgeable than those of us that have just read the books. Like you actually uh, teach it and live it and breathe it. So it's not a new thing for us. But the thing I want to ask you is, You mentioned that you are a consultant for companies and you said you're an Episcopal priest. So here's my question for you, Ian. You ready? When I talk about the Enneagram with friends of mine who are not Christians, a lot of times I have to explain what the Enneagram is. Is that true that this feels to be more in the faith space? And are you seeing a shift or is it just that those people that I talk to don't know about it? Tell me what your thoughts are on that. Yeah, well, the Enneagram really began in the faith space. But you can approach it from a purely psychological level as well, and it has tremendous value in that milieu as well. The real juice in it, if you will, happens, though, when you look at it through the lens of faith or spirituality. But even when you don't, it's a powerful instrument of change. So it really works in corporate settings. So when you go into corporate settings, what is the goal of teaching the Enneagram in corporate settings? Well, oftentimes it's to help people understand that not everyone sees the world through the same lens that they do, right? It's really a tool for developing self-awareness, which research has concluded is the number one key predictor of success 
among leaders in business. Self-awareness? Yes. That was a study out of Cornell University that self-awareness was the key predictor of success among leaders. So I go in and help them understand these nine different ways of seeing the world to help them understand that if they think their way of seeing the world is normal, then they will judge and deem abnormal everyone else who sees the world differently than, than they do. And so what it does is it helps teams understand each other. It awakens compassion. It helps people develop an appreciation for difference. It reduces conflict. It strengthens engagement. I could go on and on and on. Because it's so true. Yeah. It does all of those things. And actually, in some ways, it's going to sound maybe tinny to the ears of your listeners, but in some ways, it's more fun to speak to corporate groups than it is to speak to faith-based groups because they really lean in. You know, they, mm. they, and it's not just because the CEO is in the room. It actually, the lights go on in the context of business and they go, oh, that's why that person drives me crazy. Or that's yeah. why I drive that person crazy. And there's a lot of laughter and a lot of interest in saying, how do I apply? Not just figure out my type and stuff, but how do I actually apply this on a day-to-day basis? And it's cool to see people learn how to work together and collaborate in ways they hadn't before. I'm so thankful for it personally because you mentioned self-awareness as this you know key to someone's success. And I have become way more self-aware in my late 30s, early 40s. I think some of that just comes with maturity. Like all of a sudden you're like, oh, this is who I am. I don't have to try to pretend to be anyone anymore. I can just be me. Like, you know, oh, there's a thought. So there's that self-awareness. But then with the Enneagram, it has really helped me become self-aware as to why I do the things I do and why I think the way I do. And within my marriage, it has been a huge help for my husband, who's an Enneagram 3, to understand why I do the things that I do. And I know that him, as a leader and a pastor, he appreciates the Enneagram as well. Uh, I know he's a pastor, but it feels like a you can apply it to that corporate setting as well as leading his team and knowing why they do and think the way that they do. And so I personally have seen a lot of great stuff from it. Leads me to this question for you, though. We live in a world that feels really unstable right now in a lot of ways. We're recording this late September. We're still in the midst of COVID. My kids are back to school, but everything's different and weird. We're right on the beginning of an election. We're about to have an election in our country, which I think no matter where it goes, it's going to be difficult. There's racial unrest and injustice. And so all of these things, it feels like 2020 has been swirling around. And you talk about the Enneagram and how it helps us become self-aware. The problem I see is when we are living with our devices and their social media, I don't know where these people are coming from that are posting things online. And so how can we become better, I guess, better consumers of social media and better creators of social media, understanding empathy and compassion and understanding when we don't have this full sphere of what everyone is, where they're coming from and how they see the world? Does it make sense what I'm asking? Like everyone sees the world different. That's what you that's what you're teaching. That's what we've learned. But yet we live in a world where we follow and trust and believe people, but we don't know the lens they're seeing the world through. And so I think there's a lot of misunderstanding and miscommunication. So how could you see the Enneagram helping even when you don't know someone else's number? Like how can we be better consumers that way? Well, you know, it's interesting. Thich Nhat Hanh once said that the beginning of love is always understanding. And we are called to be people of love in the world. It's a big mistake to think that, as I said earlier, that your way of seeing the world is normal, right? And that any other view is abnormal. It's even worse to think without any self-interrogation that your way of seeing the world is right. 
and the only right way of seeing the world. That's taking it even one step further. You know, I'm reminded all the time that we tend to create, uh, when we read other people of different perspectives and, and whatnot, we tend to demonize and villainize them. And we default to black and white thinking and forget that person has children they love. Those people have a partner they love. They have their own childhoods and fears that we're only seeing one dimension. You know, there's more to them. Now, they may be expressing a violent and terrible worldview, but we should hesitate to completely villainize or demonize the other, but to remember that we are always dealing with complex and people made in the image of God who, though they may not at times be living into the fullness of it, we can't deny it. And I think the Enneagram helps us to be reminded of that fact. I'm not giving anybody a pass on bad behavior. I'm just simply saying it's far more complex than any of us think it is when it comes to the human soul. I think that's important for us all remember right now. And as you were talking about how we can remember someone has a story and a past and a childhood and a partner, it makes me think like this is the way Jesus ministered to people is he, you know, he didn't put someone in a category just because they were a tax collector or just because they were a Pharisee or just because they were an adulteress. Like he did not say that is who you are that defines you. He loved them with a whole complete love. And that's hard for us as humans because we're human, you know, Mm -hmm. but I think even that attitude that you just experienced of going into these situations and these conversations with remembering that, I think it would help us right now. And I'm that's a good word for us to look mm. as we're looking through this. You teach with the Enneagram, you need a lot of empathy and compassion. You just explained that, like that is what it is a lot about. How has that been difficult for you to watch the way things have unfolded a little bit in our country, in our world right now? Because it feels to me like there's a lack of empathy. Mm-hmm. How are you feeling about all of this? I think I try to approach every conversation, hopefully, with the mindset of trying to say to the other person, tell me about your suffering. You know, people default to reactivity, and that's what we're seeing a lot of, right? I think one of the gifts of the Enneagram is it can teach you how to live as someone who responds to life versus reacts to life. So we're seeing a lot of reactivity, people reading something and then instantly jumping on Twitter, you know, whatever, and just firing off some kind of a response or canceling somebody in 10 seconds, you know, and which is all reactivity. That's not a good place to live. That actually is a pretty clear sign that somebody lacks self-awareness, that they're Mm -hmm. living in this sort of strange autopilot, you know, without thinking. Yeah. And so, you know, I think we need to be people who are seeking to figure out what is making the other person suffer so much Mm. that they are responding to the world in the manner that they are when it's hurtful, when it's when it's creating pain. Uh, People tend to become violent or in their either physically or emotionally violent when they feel like they're not being heard. And so the first question can often be, please tell me about your suffering. Why is it you see the world this way? I need to understand it. You know, it's not always possible, but it's a good place to start. Mm. When you said that people who are living in this reactive sense of life, it's this clue that there's not self-awareness. I think that's good for us to remember as people who are, quote unquote, public, that sometimes there's a lot of reactiveness towards us. And it helps me to remember like, man, maybe that whatever I said or whatever you said or whatever someone said, there's something in there that triggered something in them that they might not even be aware of, of why it caused them to be so reactive in that moment. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, I try always to practice the sacred pause, which is to really stop and ponder why it is that some afflictive emotion like anger or disappointment or hurt has uh, been aroused in me before I react. Because if I do that, there's a greater likelihood that I will respond if I've taken the time to ask myself, hmm, I wonder where that feeling is coming from in me in response to this interaction. You know, mm. I wish more people would, would take time to be thoughtful about what's happening inside of them. But of course, if you're on autopilot, you're kind of like somebody trapped in a box with an angry murder hornet. You know what I mean? You're <laughs> just constantly swatting and yeah. you know reacting and frightened. And uh, mm-hmm. I mean, there's so much anxiety. I mean, you're a six. I mean, you know, the world is so anxious right now. And mm-hmm. when people who are afraid get into groups together and group think out of fear, bad things happen. <laughs> yeah. You know, I mean, underneath so much of this anger that we feel in the world is just fear. Mm. It's anxiety. Yeah. It's people that are too afraid to feel their fear and to feel their own suffering. And so it comes out sideways in these demonstrations of aggression. And that worries me and saddens me. If you don't know it, guys, I'm a Texas girl through and through. I've lived here most of my life. I was born here and I love traveling. Here's why I love traveling throughout Texas, because it has a vast landscape of cultures, regions, destinations and activities, which means there's an infinite number of different travel experiences. And no two travelers are exactly alike. And it means that no two trips should be either. If you're a beach person, well, you can have fun under the sun with Texas's 350 miles of coastline. If you're more of a rugged vacation type, there are campgrounds, hiking trails, and state parks galore. And foodies cannot get enough of Texas's world-famous barbecue and Tex-Mex. Enjoy live music, visit internationally recognized art museums, and check out thrilling cowboy experiences. And now, Travel Texas offers a -a one-of-a-kind online trip builder that allows users to generate a custom, visually-led trip matched to their unique interest. Guys, come visit my state. Visit TravelTexas.com slash GetYourOwn to get the only trip to Texas that matters. Yours. That's TravelTexas.com slash GetYourOwn. You guys, in January of 2024, I made a commitment to myself. I wanted to get stronger, which meant I needed to get in the gym, which means I needed to move my body in different ways. You guys know I love to walk. Well, it's spring, and spring is the best time for us to start a new workout routine. It's our yearly collective warm-up, and Peloton is here for everyone's yearly warm-up. This is the best time to get into a good rhythm, to tap into your power, and build towards your summer you. I love my Peloton. It accommodates to my schedule with a variety of class links to choose from. I can choose a 30-minute class. I can choose a 45-minute class. If you only have five minutes, there's literally a class to get you moving your body in five minutes. Peloton has a range of class types fit for every goal and every mood. There are classes if you want to hear country music, if you want to hear uh, rock, if you want to go back to the 80s. If you can't run, take a walking class. Need some grounding? Try yoga. If you want to level up, go for their Pilates or HIIT workouts. 
Here's what I love is that you can move at your own pace. And that is what I'm learning that my body needs right now. It needs to move at its own pace. Peloton makes the process easier with personalized recommendations and guided programs that take all the guesswork out of working out. You guys, we think about so many things during the day. Let's take the guesswork out. Let's jump right in and let's keep our fitness journey fresh every single day. Peloton has everything you need to get you where you're going. Whether you prefer to run outdoors, row or ride at home, or strength train at the gym, Peloton has something for you. I personally love a good 45-minute hip-hop class. It gets me moving. It gets me excited. It's my favorite genre of music, just ask my kids. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. That's OnePeloton.com. The living room is where you make life's most beautiful memories. But your sofa shouldn't be the one remembering them. The new life-resistant, high-performance furniture collection from Ashley is designed to withstand all the spills, slip-ups, and muddy paws that come with the best parts of life. Ashley high-performance sofas and recliners are soft, on-trend, and easy to clean. Shop the high-performance furniture in-store or online at ashley.com. Ashley, for the love of home. Yeah, you said people are too afraid to feel their fear. Now, this could just be me through my lens. Feeling fear makes me a little anxious. <laughs> Surprise. But what does that actually mean to feel your fear? Because if that is one of the things that you're seeing is causing this reactive and, you know, kind of just swatting that murder hornet all the time, which weren't the murder hornets supposed to come and take over everything? And then where'd they go? Where are they? They're in your backyard. <laughs> okay, they're coming after me. That's another thing I need to worry about. Where are the exactly. murder hornets? So what does that mean to feel your fear? Like to me, I think a lot of people would rather, I don't want to feel anything that's going to cause me uncomfortable. Obviously, that's how we keep ourselves quote unquote safe. But what does it mean to kind of lean into that and feel your fear? Well, I think part of it is there's a great acronym, right? That someone I know came up with. It's called RAIN. Maybe you know it. The first word R just means to recognize, right? In other words, I'm feeling fear right now. And remember, all feelings are like weather patterns, right? They blow in, they hang around for a little bit, and then they blow out, and then it's clear skies, you know what I mean? And then mm -hmm. two hours later, it yeah. may be mostly cloudy. I mean, yeah. who knows what, but mm -hmm. it's just a feeling. And just because you're thinking something doesn't make it true. Like, don't automatically assume that what you're thinking is true, yeah. right? Mm -hmm. So you just recognize, what is this right now? What am I feeling? Oh, I'm feeling anxious, right? And to do it without any judgment, right? And the second A would be just to allow it, just to allow the fear to be there, right? To actually turn your gaze towards it. And that gaze has to be non-evaluative, non-judgmental. It has to be nurturing. It has to be kind. And just observe it without trying to, as you say, push it away. Because there's just a, a basic principle, I think, in the spiritual life, which is whatever you resist persists. And, you know, so... You just allow it to be. And then you can inquire, which is the I, right? And there's a couple of questions you can ask yourself in that I moment, right? Which is, is what I'm believing right now true? Mm -hmm. Next question. Can I know for certain that it's true, right? Because you might respond by saying, well, it feels true. Well, that's yeah. the wrong question. You're exactly, answering the wrong yeah. question, right? Mm -hmm. And then say, what would my life be like if I stopped insisting on believing that the story I'm telling myself about this situation is true without a doubt, you know mm -hmm. what I'm saying? Yeah. And then would be to nurture, to actually turn towards your fear and say, I'm here for you. It's okay. Mm. 
Yeah. I'm here for you. We can make it. Sometimes I even tell clients and friends, you know, when you do this, put your hand on your heart and turn towards your fear or your anger or your hatred or your disappointment or whatever afflictive emotion happens to have arisen in the moment Mm -hmm. and just say, here for you. I'm here for you. Because what's really part of who is experiencing all this anxiety is just a little person in us that is afraid of, of what might happen to them. And then it's very surprising how fast it passes. It's just mm-hmm. kind of, you have to remember, our feelings are not monolithic. They're more vaporous like clouds, you know? And so they burn off. And this accelerates that process, I think. But when you push it away, you actually strengthen it. Mm. The more you push against them, the more that you push away anxiety, you strengthen it. The more you grasp and hold on to it, you strengthen it. You just kind of open-handedly observe it and give it the compassion that it's asking for. Yeah. Then it tends to go away. Okay, repeat the letters for us one more time. Oh, uh, well, remember, they're not original to me, so that I want to make sure that I don't try and claim them. But it's okay. We'll- R is recognize, A is allow, I is inquire, and N is nurture. I need everyone to, to listen right now to me. You just got a free counseling session, okay, from <laughs> Jamie and Ian. Like, we just gave you a free 10-minute counseling session yeah. because that is true. This is like something that I feel that my counselor would talk to me about in her office is to really recognize, allow, inquire, and nurture those feelings. And now I'm always going to think of my feelings as a weathering pattern. Thank you for that. Oh, yes. Thank in you. Fact- There is an old expression that I love, and I use it with people all the time. It's, you are the mountain, not the weather. Okay, dive into that. Sure. So, you know, if you've ever looked at a mountain, uh, Mm -hmm. if you've ever climbed, especially a very tall mountain, you know that weather patterns blow in and blow out all the time. Snowstorms, windstorms, rain, beautiful sun. People tend to over-identify with their feelings. Like, I am that feeling. Instead of just saying, no, I'm the mountain. Feelings Mm -hmm. come and go. I'm the mountain. Seriously, I've gotten up in the morning. I'm a four. I know about feelings. I'm an expert with feelings, okay? (laughs) And let's say this interview felt to me like, oh, I shouldn't have said this or I shouldn't have said that. And I get in a bad foul mood. Two hours later, my agent calls and says, oh, I love the edits on the book. And suddenly clear skies, you know, I forget all about this conversation. Yeah. An hour and a half later, you know, one of the dogs, my new puppy takes a poo on the rug and I'm all upset. And 10 minutes later, does something, you know where I'm going? In other words, feelings... They're not who you are. Yeah. Um, There's something that you have and they come and go so quickly. And so we shouldn't try to hold on to any of them for very long, nor necessarily always ascribe such seriousness to most of them. Mm. You know, it's like, "Eh, here it is anxious, you know, here it is anger and not push it away or hold on to it too long. You know, that's good because I think a lot of us can feel like if I'm not feeling like the clear sky, if I'm the mountain and there's not clear skies every day, there must be something wrong with me. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah. Do you know the long form of Reinhold Niebuhr's serenity prayer? No. Are you going to look it up for me? Yeah. I mean, because it's got this great, you just remind me of this great line at the end of it. Uh, most people don't know the whole one. The serenity prayer is usually said it's in 12-step communities at the beginning mm-hmm. and end of meetings. You know, God grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference, right? But there's a second half to it that no one ever uses very often. It's living one day at a time, enjoying one moment at a time, accepting hardships as the pathway to peace, taking as he did the sinful world as it is, not as I would have it. Trusting that he will make all things right if I surrender to his will so that I may be reasonably happy in this life 
and supremely happy with him in the next. Mm. And every time I hear that phrase, I think we live in a world in which, yes, we there's almost this um, online marketing sales thing, like you could be happy, supremely happy in this life. It's like, no, really, it's very wonderful just to be reasonably happy in this life, you know? And that's a much better expectation than that I could be supremely Yeah, it's a more realistic expectation because life is hard and you're going to have the clouds and the rain and all the things. You know, this leads me to ask you about, I know you just worked on a course and it's called True You and it's already out. What brought you to here to writing this course? You're writing books, you're, you're doing all these things with corporate. What led you to a course and why do you think people need this? Well, you know, there's a little bit of a story behind it. I was in a coffee shop with somebody in uh, Franklin, Tennessee, and this complete stranger, like a 21-year-old guy, comes running over to our table like Tigger. You know what I mean? Uh-huh, like, just, yeah, he's uh, ready. Like, he's ready. And he interrupts our conversation and says, hey, Yuri and Kron, my name is Jared, and I learned that I'm a seven from your book. <laughs> And I'm like, well, that's no surprise there. I mean, (laughs) you know, ones do not come running up to your table like uh this, you know. And I said, well, that's great. Well, that's exciting. And he goes, oh, yeah, my friends, we talk about it all the time and compare our numbers. I said, well, what are you going to do with it now? And he's like, you mean there's more? Mm. And I'm like, oh, my gosh. Yeah. I mean, really, the Enneagram is a tool for deep, rich, inner transformational work. It's not just something that we create silly memes about, you know, or stereotyping people or using it as an excuse for poor behavior, or as a way to uh, talk about our specialness, you know, or as a way to just simply understand our past. Now, I understand that in the beginning of the journey of the Enneagram, people are fascinated to learn their number, right? They feel validated, they feel seen, they feel understood. Okay, great. Well, now what are you going to do with it? Yeah. Now you have to learn how to use that information in such a way that it brings about significant life change, right? Because your number also describes patterns of personality that require deep alteration. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Like you need to learn how to move from your passion of fear, living in this emotional, motivating, driving fear to learning how to live in a place of faith and courage. Yeah. Well, that's a journey that has to be mm-hmm. taken. Yeah. And the Enneagram sort of plots out how to do it. But most people just stop at their number. Yeah. Right. So this course was really designed. It's called True You, a deeper exploration of your Enneagram type. It's sort of meant to help people see that journey and take the next step, if they choose to, to move into deeper topics like subtypes, basic fears and desires, instincts. So part of it is getting self-knowledge, but also a discussion for each type about the particular journey they have to take in order to grow as people. And here's what makes it really cool is that it's actually nine individual courses. So as a six, you could choose to just get the six module, the six right. course. Uh huh. And if your husband, what's your husband's He's a three. number? Right. You might just say, okay, you get the three, I'm going to get the six and my kids are. So you don't have to listen to only 20 minutes on nine types. You're going to get 90 minutes, your type. So it's like an intensive on you. And so, you know, I'm hoping that 
people will find it useful. I think it will be useful because it's one of those things that you think about like, okay, so you know your number, but it's what you're teaching in even the corporate settings of the self-awareness leads to success. So it's not just finding out your number and then like, okay, here I am. But it's a journey of becoming more self-aware of who you are. With all of your long list of amazing things that you have done and are, what is your thoughts on how we're going to see the other side of ourselves after 2020 and maybe 2021 and beyond? How is our mental health and this isolation that we're experiencing now, how is that affecting us as humans? And how can being self-aware help us get through that? Well, it's affecting different people differently. You know, I'm obviously saddened by the human cost of COVID. In terms of my personal life, I don't mind being in my house for long periods of time, uh, reading and working and being quiet. You know, that's that, I'm okay with that. I feel yeah. sorry for all my seven friends who I mm-hmm. think are probably at home, you oh, know, losing their minds. Exactly. When COVID first happened and my kids, you know, we, we went off spring break and never went back. I have one child that after three or four weeks was like, this is the best thing that's ever happened to me. So he was like, I love my life though staying home. So he was happy with it. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, one of the things I'm hoping is, is that people will take advantage of this time if it's possible. I know this is so hard for parents. Yeah. But as a season of self-reflection, almost like a liturgical season of -hmm. of self-reflection, self-accepted self-reflection. And, you know, and not use it simply to watch the news and fret and and worry and but to to learn how to know themselves better because their lives have been slowed. Maybe I'm an idealist and think that a lot of people might do that. I've been accused of being an idealist before, but that would be a lovely thing. In terms of long-term mental health, I don't really have an answer for that. There are things that I miss. There are uh, physical contact. I'm a very tactile person. I'm a people person. Even though I love to be alone, I love to be with people. I miss more of my speaking engagements where I can put a hand on a shoulder or hug somebody who's feeling deeply moved by learning something about themselves. But obviously, it's also an opportunity for people to explore the relationships with their partners, with their children. But let's just face it. It's hard, man. It's hard. And again, like I said, don't resist what it is, you know, because the more you do, the harder it it digs in. It's such a good encouragement for us and a good thing for us to remember is to not resist to, I'm going to go back to the acronym that your friend told you to recognize, allow, inquire, and then nurture that as well. And I found you in 2011 because you wrote a book that I read, Jesus, My Father, the CIA. Read that book forever ago. And then believe it or not, when I read your book, The Road Back to You in 2016, I did not know that I was reading the same person. Isn't that funny? (laughs) I had read it so long ago. And I just, it was like a book that I read on vacation. And then my mind didn't connect that it was the same person writing that. And so thanks for your work that you're doing. Thanks for the writing that you're doing. Besides True You Course, anything else around the corner for you? Yeah, so I'm just uh, finishing up a new book, but that, as you know, will be out in gosh knows when in in the future you can finish a book and then think, okay, now I got to wait 19 years before it comes out. And then, you know, I have my, uh, what's called my IEQ9 Enneagram assessment, which people can go to my website, ianmorgancron.com. And it's a wonderful assessment, helps people figure out their Enneagram number, but even more importantly, it gives them a 22-page customized report just for them about their type and how it tends to move through the world and the things they need to work on. Yeah. Well, if you're listening and you have not yet figured out your type, that'd be a great resource.
Whether you're a morning person or a bedtime procrastinator, everyone deserves a mattress that works for their style. And you'll find the best mattress for you at Ashley. The new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley brings you one-of-a-kind body-conforming technology, making every sleep tailored to be your best. The collection also features cool-to-the-touch covers and motion absorption to help minimize sleep disruptions from partners, pets, or kids. Shop the all-new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley, in-store or online at ashley.com. Ashley, for the love of home. Want to connect with a family member who doesn't speak your language? Then check out the language learning program Rosetta Stone on desktop or as an app. Rosetta Stone is designed to immerse you in the language you're learning through an intuitive process. Plus, the True Accent feature even gives you feedback on your pronunciation. And with a lifetime membership, you have access to all 25 offered languages. Get started today. Visit rosettastone.com backslash pod 50 to get 50% off your lifetime membership now. That's rosettastone.com backslash pod 50 for 50% off. And I always ask my friends that I'm talking to at the end, what are you loving? What are you reading? What's the great things in your life right now? Well, you know, I'm late to the party, but I just read the book, The Art of Possibility. I don't know why it took me so long to get around to that book, but I loved it. Here's another book I'm embarrassed to tell you that I just read because I should have read it in eighth grade, but I didn't, <laughs> which is Alan Patton's book, Cry the Beloved Country. Right. Which, yep. Can you believe I hadn't read it at my age? You know, it's like I came across my daughter's eighth grade. Copy. I know I have it here at my house for my kids. Yes. Yeah. And I'm like, mm-hmm. why? where was I when this was yeah. assigned? You mm-hmm. know? And I'm trying to think. Of, I just read a book called Radical Compassion that was quite good as well. So those are, I don't know, the books that I've I been reading. It. I love it. Well, Anne, thank you for your voice and your work um, and all you're doing to help people see the world through their lens and understand that their lens matters and that it's important. And that I think for me, most importantly, that there's nothing wrong with me and how I see the world and for us to continue to find self-awareness so that we can be our best self. So thank you for coming on the happy hour today. Thank you. It was a wonderful pleasure. Today's show was edited and mixed by the team at Podshaper. The music was developed for the show by Matt Graham. Show notes are written by Abigail Castell, and the whole thing is organized by Lindsay Sweeney. Don't forget, if you want to join our Read With Me community, text Read With Me, no spaces, all one word, to 33777. And we're going to read my newest book, UBU, together. Guys, enjoy your week. Have a happy hour with a friend. Share the show with a friend. Next week on the show, J.D. Greer is joining me. He's a pastor. He's president of the Southern Baptist Convention, and we have a great conversation that you do not want to miss. So join us back here next week. The living room is where you make life's most beautiful memories. But your sofa shouldn't be the one remembering them. The new life-resistant, high-performance furniture collection from Ashley is designed to withstand all the spills, slip-ups, and muddy paws that come with the best parts of life. Ashley high-performance sofas and recliners are soft, on-trend, and easy to clean. Shop the high-performance furniture in-store or online at ashley.com. Ashley, for the love of home.